0: Well, we're on our, our series, or our teaching series, Raising Your Kids in the Gospel. Raising Your Kids in the Gospel. And I know I said last week that we got two or three more weeks, but I'm wrapping it up this week. So it's been 10 weeks. It's a long time. But we covered a lot of stuff. I, I, I strongly recommend that you go and um, listen to, to them over again online or get the CDs and the reason why we we're teaching on the, these things, it's, it's bigger than just trying to make your home just to be a happy home, even though we all want happy homes. just, just Most people just want their kids to get out of high school with no major issues, right? Then I did my job. But it's bigger than that, and we have to teach our kids that it's bigger than that. We just got off a series on kingdom-focused marriages that... Make, that hopefully brought you to the realization that your marriage is so much bigger than just your happiness, your happiness is secondary. God's purpose for your marriage and, 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 and in the kingdom of God is the purpose of your marriage. And then when you find your purpose in God, when the two become one and they're, and they're one in purpose and mission, that they're out on the battlefield fighting the battle together. Rather, they don't have time to fight amongst each other. And the same thing with our kids is that, that we have to teach them the kingdom way of living. Our mission statement here at CARES New Testament, Testament Church is to proclaim and expand the kingdom through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way that the kingdom of God expands is through people hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, that God's not mad at him, he's not even in a bad mood, and he has an awesome, awesome, awesome future for him. He has an awesome future for him. If he gave us Jesus, Romans tells us, how much more will he give us all good things through him? Right? So how are we going to do that? As a, as a small church in a small community, how are we going to do that? We're going to be activate you guys and me, the church, in the grace and the wisdom of Christ to take our vocation, which is what? Your vocation, that's your calling. That's what God has called you to do. Right? Some of us have been called to, to teachers. Some of us have been called to builders, plumbers, salesmen. Some of us have been called to a pastor. Some, some have been called to a, to a housewife. Whatever your calling is, whatever your calling is, God is calling to take, is calling you to take your calling to your location. That's where you live. That's, that's where you That's your spheres of influence. And and turn it into a sphere of ministry. And what does ministry mean? Ministry means serving. A minister is a servant. Right? If you're a minister of the gospel, you are sent to serve. That's a different way of looking at it, ain't it? I thought it was to, we were called to condemn. We were called to point our finger. We were called to make people feel bad. We are called to say, you're on the outside, we're on the inside. No, we are called to serve, serve in those spheres of influences. And through that, we we affect the situation for the kingdom of God. And family is one of those spheres of influence. There's seven spheres of influence. religion, family, government, education, media, celebrations. Celebrations is the arts and entertainment, sports, and all of that, that. And the family is one of those spheres of influence in our culture that the kingdom of God needs to shape and it needs to mold. And it is under attack. The family is under attack. Especially the Christian family. The Christian family is under attack in our culture. You would have to be blind not, not to see that there is a war of antichrist and pro-Christ in our culture. Antichrist and pro-Christ. And we're at war. Whether you like it or not, you're, you're at war. But the good news is, is that we're not at war with individuals. We're at war in the spiritual realms. Because as we've found out that most people don't realize that they are ignorant to the glory of God. They need the blinders taken off their eyes to see how much God loves them, how much he cares for them. And that their, the way of Babylon, the way of their way of thinking, of get all I can, can all I get, and then sit on my can, me, my four, no more, who cares about anybody else, leads to destruction. Self-centeredness, pride, arrogance of life, all leads to Destruction. So we, we've been teaching on these in that idea of, of that we are to take the world for the kingdom of God. We are to disciple, the Bible says, the nations. The nations. And we can start discipling the nations very simply by discipling our families, our own kids. Right? And right now we're at a time of graduation. Kids are graduating. They're getting ready. I, next year I will have a graduate. That's amazing to think. I'm too young to have a, a senior. I, she's gonna be a senior this year. But they're gonna be graduating. And I read just this week something that will you won't believe. See, right now when kids are graduating, they're preparing for something. Every September a sad thing happens. And this is talking about this next September. Next September, thousands. Of supposedly Christian students go off to universities and college to begin the process of forsaking their faith. Their faith is under attack. Are they prepared to stand before their peers and their professors and defend their faith? Here's the statistic that you won't believe. 70% 70% of Christians who leave the home end up losing their faith by the time they graduate college. So what do we do? Most of us, we, we think that controlling our children in our homes will do the job by just putting out, down laws, putting down um, discipline that, that that's going to that's gonna work, but that's not enough. It's not enough for them to stand against the antichrist culture they will be facing. They are no longer when they're no longer under our roofs. As parents, we have been called to something more foundational than just controlling the behavior of our children. What do we do as a parent? What we do as a parent shouldn't be shaped by the values of our surrounding culture. And that's something that a lot of us as parents need to ask ourselves. Are the decisions that I make concerning my family, concerning my kids, is it based on biblical principles? Is it based on what God has called us to do and be? Or is it based on what's popular, what's the status quo, what's going on in our culture? What we do as a parent shouldn't be shaped by our reaction to how we were parented. That that is such a key. That is such a key. It's so many of us maybe have had bad experiences from our parents. And we do one or two things. We mimic them, or we go to the other extreme, and there's, there's a happy medium in there. You know, you have, what you have to realize is that you are not who you, your parents said that you are. You are who Jesus Christ says you are. You are who God says you are. And we have to allow our heavenly Abba, our heavenly Father to teach us in his ways. What we do as a parent shouldn't be shaped by what we have dreamed our children could become. So many parents have this grand idea of where their kids are going to be, where they're going to go, what they're going to do. And then they just push their kids in that direction. It doesn't matter... How successful your kids are, if they grow up to be miserable, what good is it? See, God has a plan. Your plans are not important. God's plans are important. And the goal as a parent is to find out what God's plans are for your kids. And then help them come into realization of God's plan and how to walk that out in faith. And how to achieve that. What we do... With our children should not be shaped by the ups and downs of our emotions. And we've talked about that. We've talked about how one day you're in a bad, you had a rough day at work, and so you're angry at the kids, and you discipline heavily. Next day you're in a good mood. So the kids are doing the same thing, but they don't get the same punishment. They don't get the same discipline. And that's just a roller coaster. And it causes your kids to rebel against your authority. Because they can't trust you, they can't and we've got to make sure that we're not controlled by our emotions. The parenting of our children should be shaped by what God says every human being needs, and not by our flesh or the wisdom of the world. Do you know God says that there're in, in His word, what every single human needs? He's our heavenly Father, and He knows what you need, and He has promised, and we're going to look at these promises. We're going to go through them fast. We're going to go through them fast. But these are promises that God says that he will, is willing to do for every single human being. And we as ambassadors for Christ, we're ambassadorial parents. We are representing God. We need to take these same promises and in a small way help our children to realize that we too are providing these promises in their life, because we know that they need them. The true needs of our children is what forms our job description as parents. So let's look at those, those needs. Our children need guidance. In Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. Psalms 31, 3, for you are my rock and my fortress and for... For your namesake, you lead and you guide me. Our Heavenly Father has promised to guide us. He promised to lead us. We as parents, we have to be guides unto our children. This is what they need. They need guides. Protection. Isaiah 31.5. Like the birds hovering, so the Lord of hosts will protect Jerusalem. He will protect and deliver it. He will spare and rescue it. I just love... See, I said I was going to go fast, but... I just love the word picture there, hovering. I, 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 I picture eagles just circling above. It's circling above, and it can see everything that's coming in to attack. And that's what God does. He, he, he's above you. He's hovering over your life. He sees in the future. He sees from all sides. He sees from underneath. He sees everywhere. He's just hovering around you and speaking words of wisdom to you. Right? The Holy Spirit was sent to what? To lead us and to guide us, to even show us things that are to what? Come. In Psalms 91.1, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It just reminds me of that story of, of, well, that's a better example. Lion King. Do you guys ever watch Lion King? And when Simba was growling at the uh, hyenas, and he's trying to roar, and couldn't roar, couldn't roar, and then all of a sudden... He roared, and there's just a huge echoing roar, and he thought it was him, but really it was his father behind him. That's how it is with God. We stand in the shadow of the Almighty, he's just standing behind us. Instruction Good and upright is the Lord, therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. Psalms 25 8. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Will you not receive instruction and listen to my words, declares the Lord, Jeremiah 35, 13. God wants to instruct us in the ways of righteousness. Not only righteousness, in the ways to live. He wants you to have a prosperous life. He desires for you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Right? I tell you what, what's the will of God? Well, if you look at before the fall of man... They were pretty prosperous. Had all their needs met, things were good. And then if you look at the eternal kingdom of heaven, all their needs are met, they're prosperous, everything is good. That's the will of God for humanity. And God wills that in your life right now in the kingdom here. You are to be a peculiar people. You know that? People are to look at you and say, man, there's something different about you. Why does everything always work out for you? Even even when bad stuff happens to you, you got you got a joy and a pep, and and you don't you don't get all mad like the rest of us. And then it ends up working out to your good. See, if you work with God in the attacks, then He works all things together to good who love them and called by by His name, right? So even in tragedy, even in the attacks, even in the storms of life, we can have joy because. We got our. We dwell in the shadow of the the Most High God, of the Almighty. Wisdom. There's a lot of there's a lot of information out there, but there's very little wisdom. I've heard about common sense. Common sense is kind of like wisdom. Common sense is far too uncommon. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. James 1.5. And because of him, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God. It, it, the Bible literally says that we have the mind of Christ. And we know where that mind is. It's in our spirits, right? And when we get our spirit and our soul together, our mind, will, and emotions, we're unstoppable. And that's that renewing of the mind process. That's, that's taking the wisdom of God, the wisdom of Christ, and applying it to your natural mind, to your emotions, to your will, to your desires. Authority. Our children need authority. Let, and we need authority. Let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Romans thirteen one. Now what that says is that governments are, and when governments right now you're thinking you're thinking of the White House or um, Congress, the Senate, that type of stuff. Governments, your your home is a government. You have a leadership roles in in the home, right? So you got to think of gov- government is throughout everything. A school has government. A church has a government. It's And it's not that God institutes the people in government. He instituted government. Do you understand the difference? So when someone says, well, our president, that must be the will of God. I don't know whether it's the will of God or not. That's not what this is saying. We wouldn't have that president if it wasn't for God putting him in office. That's not true. He's in office because people voted that way, right? And it's the same thing in all types of government. God instituted the, the, the foundation, the formula, the, the, the way that government works and operates. It's not, he doesn't put the people into government. Right? In Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So even though that there's governments on earth, all authority... We have to come to the realization that all authority, all governments, all kingdoms are under the authority of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, and that means that we all are under authority. We are under the authority of Jesus, and you can choose to bow to the, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ today out of your own free will, but there will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Our children and we need rules. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. See, the, the law is good. It shows you the, it, 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 it's holy, the Bible says. It, 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 it is perfect. The problem is is we're not perfect. In Psalms one nineteen one fifty one, 151, But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. See, the law is good, and, and as you've heard over and over again, It just doesn't have the power to make you good. And if the law had the power to make you good, Jesus would have never had to come. What has empowered you to be good and do good is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and taking your stony heart and making a heart that can be changed. A heart of flesh. A heart of flesh. Structure. Our kids need structure. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope Jeremiah 29:11 The counsel of the Lord stands forever the plans of his heart to all generations Psalms 33:11 30, God has plans for you he has structured an outcome for your life he has a desire for you he has structured steps for you to get to a place. And even if you're not on the road that he has structured for you, guess what? Just like GPS, recalculating. He can recalculate you. He can give you a U-turn. He can, he can cut a, a new trail right through the wilderness to get you to exactly where you need to be. Preparation. The heart of a man. man's plans is his way, but the Lord establishes the steps. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not only does God have a plan for us, but he has prepared us. He has given us the tools that we need to fulfill those plans and purposes in our life. Understanding. Psalms 119. Our children need understanding. They don't need just rules. They don't need orders barked at them. They don't need to hear, because I said so. They need to understand why we do the things that we do. Why we ask of them the things that we ask. And we, as God's children, need to understand God's way of doing things. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. The, the Bible, the word of God, the testimonies of who God is, that makes a person wise. Psalms one nineteen, one thirty. 130. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I I am a simple person, but God gives me understanding to do things I would never, ever be able to do in my own strength. See, the problem is is that people don't see that. Whenever people look at an individual and you think, man... That person has a lot of talent. That person has a lot of smarts. That person has a lot of wisdom. That that person's very good with money, or whatever it might be. You don't understand that a lot of those people, especially Christian people, they're just simple people that have learned to tap into the understanding and the wisdom of God, to hear his ways and, and be obedient. When God says to do something, When God gives you insight, when God gives you a path to take, to take the steps of faith. Because that's the thing about God. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and you need to get this, that whatever God asks you to do always takes faith. If it doesn't take faith to do what you're about to do, guess what? That's not God. Because you can do it in your own strength. If you don't say, God, if you don't show up and take care of this situation, if you don't give me the wisdom in this situation, if I'm going to be a failure. I'm going to be an utter failure. And what, I'm going to do this. I believe that you're telling me to do this. I'm going to step out in faith, and I'm going to trust you all the way, and you better show up. I need you to show up. Then you know that it's what God's called you to. But if you're thinking, yeah, God called me to this, and I can handle it. I'm not too concerned about it you know, in, the, in, in your natural man, then I can almost guarantee you that this is your idea. God's ways always takes faith in him. Why? So he gets the glory, not us. Confrontation. He who disciples the nations, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge. Psalms 94.10. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 3.13. We need confrontation. We need to be pointed out to, that our children need to be pointed out that what they're doing, the decisions they're making, are wrong, and they're leading to destruction. We need that. That's why the church is so good. As iron sharpens iron, Right? Sometimes when, you, when iron's getting sharp, and sparks fly. There's concentration. But you've got to understand that you, con, you, you confront somebody in love and, and, and speak to them who they are in Christ. You don't leave them in a place of condemnation. You edify them. You build them up. You encourage them in the faith. And that's why the church is so important. Discipline. Know then in your heart, As a man disciplines a son, the Lord your God disciplines you, Deuteronomy 8.5. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives, Hebrews 12.6. This discipline that the Lord promises to do for his children is a one of teaching, of guidance, of directing you. You should love the discipline of the Lord. If you believe that God is love and that he is is 100% from you, you should open yourself up and say, Lord, discipline me any way that you feel fit. Why? Because whatever he's going to do in your life is for your your benefit. It's for your, the best results in your life. And that's the way that it should be with our children. Warning. He said to them, take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today that you may command them to your children that they may be careful to do all the words that are in the law Deuteronomy 32 46 our children need to be warned they need to be warned and understand the dangers of life they need to understand that not only the dangers outside of them but the dangers that are inside of them which is the biggest danger in Psalms 19:11 moreover by them is your servant warned in keeping them there's great great reward love not only does God give us love, that we need to bestow love to our children. In Exodus 34, 6, The Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. John three sixteen, familiar one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Our children need to know not only the love of their parents, but he needs to know the love of God that God has for them. Forgiveness. But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Psalms 130 verse 4. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Colossians 3.13. We have to understand that, 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 that God has forgiven us. That God loves us. He has forgiven us and he's given us mercy. And in that, in that forgiveness and receiving abundance of his forgiveness, that empowers us to forgive others. We have to teach our kids to, to walk in forgiveness and not live in that prison cell of unforgiveness. Security. Our children need to know that they are secure in our homes, that they're secure in the love of their father and their mothers. They need to know that, they, 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 that you're a refuge that they can run to and they don't have to run from even when they've done Wrong. Job twenty four, twenty three, He gives them security and they are supported, and his eyes are upon their ways. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. Psalms twelve seven. Our God keeps us in security. He'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. So just as each and every human needs these things from God, we as ambassadors for Christ are tools in the hands of our Heavenly Father that provides these same things unto our children. In a small way, on a smaller scale, the same way that God provides this to all humanity that is willing to receive it, so we too as parents, as ambassadors for Christ, we need to provide this to our children. And if we look back at this this list that we just went through it's hard to find anything that's missing anything more that our children would need if they could receive all these things from their parents if we could do this as a parent we could we could say that we did a pretty good job but do you realize that even this list right here even God's list right here even if every single one of us was walking and receiving from God all these promises that he promises to do as a parent God would be unsatisfied it wouldn't be enough. It's not enough because this list is incomplete. We must constantly teach them what is right and how to live right. We must step in again and again and protect our kids from themselves. We we must prepare them to live well in this broken world. We must structure their days and teach them how to invest in their future. We must impart wisdom to them and teach them what it looks like to live it out. We must confront them when they do what is wrong. We must discipline them in the face of their rebellion. All of this is good. All of this is true. But as vital as all of this is, it's not enough. It's not enough. God promises you all these things, but your Heavenly Father is not satisfied, even if you walked in all of it. Our children, as do we, we need something much more. And that's how we're going to close today. We're going to close today with talking about our children, what every child's deeper need is. It's just not enough that they make foolish choices or argue with you endlessly or mistreat one another or entitled and demanding or act as if they have wisdom that they don't or question your authority or find no more natural to say than yes or are way are, are, are way too attracted to the world or seem to lack interest in the things of the Lord or pout when they don't get their way or refuse to be happy until they get do get their way. All these things are just moment by moment symptoms of the deeper need that we all came into the world with. And no matter how successful we are as parents to control our children's choices and behavior, our control cannot and will not free them from this deeper need. To understand this need and the impact it it must have on our parenting, there's no better place And to look in Psalms 51. In Psalms 51, verse 1, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. I just love that. Have mercy on me, not because of me, but because of who you are. Because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Verse 4. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Verse 7. Purify me from my sins I will be cl- and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back the joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of the guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to the rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will be joyful then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. See, we with our kids, what we do is we just look at their behavior. And we have to be aware that their behavior is just a symptom of the deeper problem. He knows that something is not right in him, and the only way he can be, it can be made right is through the power of God. And this is our children's greatest need. Your children need to see their sin so they'll cry out for God's mercy. Psalms 51 begins with a cry, every human being should make. But sadly, billions don't. You only make this cry when you have come to the point where you acknowledge that the greatest danger in your life lives inside you, not outside you. And we talked about this through this series, that the greatest danger is the sin that lives within not the sin that is without. And because of that, you are a person in desperate need of God's help and the helpers he has placed in your life. Too many parents focus on horizontal success. We think if we just get them through school with decent grades, get them into college, then everything's fine. What if our kids receive a good education? What if they land a good job? And are healthy, successful, and they're well-liked. But have no sin awareness and no hunger for God's mercy. Jesus put it this way. What if you gain the whole world and yet lose your soul? David's cry for mercy should confront us as Christian parents. That God has called us to be agents of radical heart change in the lives of our children. Our children need to know that they need a Savior. Do they know that? And not only does our children need to know that they need a Savior, that they were born into sin, they need to know that mom and dad, that they too needed a Savior, and that we are dependent on Jesus Christ every day of our life. Number two, your children need to understand the nature of sin so they don't minimize this danger. Sin means our children on their own have no ability to live as God has created and desires them to live. No parental control, no education system, no personal success will give them the ability they need. I can't read this with this thing going back and forth. (laughs) No personal success will give them this ability. They need divine intervention. See, there's an archer. Sin means to miss the mark. And so, I've always heard it described as an archer. You have a a target, you have an archer, he pulls back the arrow, and he can never hit the bullseye. Constantly missing the mark. But the truth of the matter is, you have a target, you have an archer, he has a bow, but the bow doesn't have any string, uh, doesn't have a string on it. You're It's not only that you're missing the mark, you miss the mark. You don't have it in you to even fling the arrow towards the target. And that's where we need God's divine intervention. We need his spirit living within us. We need his ability working through us. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We need to be dependent on him. Here is something you need to consider. It is not negative nor condemning to talk to your children about their sin. When's the last time you have talked about sin to your, your children? And again, we're not talking about a condemning thing. We're talking about missing the mark. We're talking about this is what God has planned for you. And what you're doing here is going to take you to this plan. It's not negative to talk to your kids about sin because it's the truth that sin is out there. And until you're born again, sin is in you. And until you renew your mind, sin is in your mind. Sin is a real thing. And the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of living life separate from God leads to death. And we're not, it, it can lead to physical death, but your marriage, not doing it God's way, will lead to the death of the marriage. Your finances, not doing finances God's way, will lead to the death of your finances. You realize that. There are lots of people that aren't even Christians that have taken the principles of God and applied them to their life and have had success. Why? Because their laws, they work. You can miss the mark in your relational skills, in being a friend, being a coworker, being a neighbor. And it can lead to death in those relationships. You can, you can miss the mark in what God has called us to in health. And it can lead to the destruction of health in your life. So think of it this way. When you talk to sin about your kids... All loving parents warn their children about dangers. The dangers that are around them, and they need to be aware of and avoid them. Right? We make sure that they look both ways on the street. We make sure that little Johnny has his bicycle helmet on. If I had a bicycle helmet when I was a kid, the other kids in my neighborhood would have beat me up. And they should (laughs) have. No. That's funny. But we, we worry about we worry about what's in this cereal box or what's in what our kids are eating, what all this stuff. We worry about all these things. We want to protect them and it's good because it can harm them. But there is no more harmful thing in a children's life than their own sin. To be made aware of it. And its power to destroy is good and a loving thing to do as a parent. Your kids need to understand that the, that the things that they do, the things, just like us, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. And because our, our conscious is, conscious is, is is convicted, proves that we're not evil, but it's sin, the Bible says, in us. So it's no longer I who do it, do it, but sin that's in me. You got to read, it's a little complicated scripture. And then he finally throws his hands up. Oh, wretch of a man that I am, who will rescue me, rescue me from this body of sin? I thank God that the Lord Jesus Christ will rescue me. We've got to understand that sin is the enemy, and its whole job is to rob, kill, and destroy, to take you from where God wants to take you in your life. And as parents, we need to instill that into our kids. Number three, this, this psalm is teaching us the deepest desire, the deepest need that our children have in their hearts. Number three, your children need to understand that their problem is not with their parents, but with God. And that's taken out of verse number 4. Our children need to understand every sin is vertical. Every sin is first in the face of God. See, we always talk about the horizontal effects of sin and what that just did to your brother or that what just, just did your sister or the, did you know how your mother felt, right? But first and foremost, they have to see that sin is vertical. That the things that we do Really, in the end, we do against God. It's in rebellion against God. Every sin is a desire to remove God from his throne and sit there yourself. Every time your children sin, they tell themselves that they are smarter than God, that they know better and can write their own rules. Every sin is claiming independence from God. Every sin puts your children in the center of the world and makes life all about them. Good thing that only kids act this way. As parents, we must always remember the vertically of our wrong and teach our children that they have vertical wrongs and don't just make it about us and how it affects us. Our children were made for God, created to do his will, and because this is so, every wrong thing they do is done against him. Number four, your children. Your children need to understand that sin is a na- nature problem that produces behavior problems. Your children need to understand that sin is a nature problem that produces behavior problems. When David says, "I was born a sinner," yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, he is saying that my biggest problem is not situational, it's not geographical, geographical, it's not relational. No. It's my nature. I was born a sinner. I came into the world this way. This point is significant and vital for you and your children to understand. Is that you we were born this way. And they must be born again. You must be born again. You must be given a new nature. You must be given a new spirit. It's not enough to say to your children... To say that your children sin, you must get them to realize and recognize that they sin. Sin is not just first bad behavior, sin is a condition that produces bad behavior. A sinner can't simply say to himself, Hey, tomorrow I'm going to stop sinning, and actually do it. A lot of people say, Well, I can be a good person apart from Jesus try try I am dependent on Christ every success I have is because of Christ and every failure that I have in my life is when I step out of trusting in Christ when I no longer see my identity in Christ but I see myself in my old man it's a love, it is loving to help your children understand that it's not enough to confess that they sometimes do what is wrong. They need to come to the place where they confess that the wrong lives in them. And because of that, they are des- in desperate need of God's rescuing, forgiving, transforming, and delivering grace. Number five. Your children need to understand... That since sin is a heart problem, the only solution is a new heart. Verse 10. The only solution to the heart-infecting disease of sin that is in our children is a divine heart transplant. That's why Jesus was willing to come and subject himself to this fallen world. That's why he was willing to endure the, the cruelty of the cross. And that's why he had to exit the tomb so that he could deliver us and our children from the one thing that we all needed a new heart, to give us a new heart. More than being instructed, our children need divine surgery. Do you talk to your children about this th- these things? Do they realize that they were born into Adam and that the whole world is rocking and reeling because of sin? And that they need to be born again. Do you talk to your children about these things? Do you preach the gospel to them? It's not enough for for you to recognize that need. They must come to recognize it as well. Or they will continue to resist your help and not admit their need of God's. Number six. Your children need to be taught to run to the only place of hope the forgiving grace of God. The doorway of hope is hopelessness. Think about that. The doorway of hope is hopelessness. When you feel that you are hopeless, that's when you just are able to walk into hope. Because when you get to the end of your rope, when you get to the end of your ability, when you, get, when you finally lay down everything that you have tried to do in your own power and your own strength, and you say it's hopeless, that's when true hope can show up. That's when Jesus can show up. That's when Jesus can say, watch what I can do. Until your child begins to give up on themselves their wisdom, their strength, their righteousness, they will not cry out for God's mercy. As long as they retain hope that they can, have, they can make it without your help or God's, they will deny the sin inside them and take life into their own hands. When a person is seeking forgiveness, they are acknowledging that they are not in charge. You realize that? A person that never looks for forgiveness is a person that is in total control, in in charge of their life. That their life does not belong to them, that they have transgressed God. They are confessing they have no ability to buy their way back into God's favor. Then, in their hopelessness, they run to the only place of hope, the forgiving and restoring hands of the Redeemer. We are all called to make use of every opportunity that God gives us to help our children to become aware of the grave danger of the sin that lives inside them. We do not do this self-righteously. Pointing out sin to other, <laughs> others never works. It's offensive, and it will close down the hearts of your children. We don't do this with irritation or, or impatience, but with grace, acknowledging that you are just like them, a person in need of God's mercy. When you come this way, your tenderness, humility becomes a workroom for God to do in the heart of your children what only He can do. The greatest need for your children, and I hope that you've heard that. Echoed through this whole 10-week series is to know that they need to put their faith and their trust in Jesus, that they need to put their faith and trust in, the, in God and his ways of doing things. That is the greatest need for your children. And from that place, from that place, it's a launching pad for them to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, to understand God's ways and his ways of doing things, to understand how to to work in the kingdom to be a success. That they have a mission and a purpose in life. That they can go into any sphere, any calling in life, any vocation, they can go into any area of life and prosper and have success and take ground for the kingdom of God. That If they want to go into business, God is there, and they can be. so many kids, so many kids think that if I'm going to live my life for God, that means that I've got to be a preacher, I've got to be a missionary. Or something like that. No. You can be a business person. You can be a nurse. You can go into any area. You can be in the entertainment. You can be in media. You can be in government. You can be in all those different areas and take God and his ways of doing things with you and walk into that place of favor and destiny. Our children need to trust in God more than any other thing. They need an experience with God more than any other thing. They don't need just rules. They don't need just discipline. They, just, they don't need structure and control. They need to know God. And it's our job as parents to help them find them. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, Go to www.charisntc.org And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.